And welcome back to your favorite podcast out here on the land, The Five Spot. I'm your host, Donovan McNabb, joined with Armando Segura. And what a way to start out the new year. 2024 is our year, and it's time. It's time to dive right into the excitement. College football at its best. We have our playoff games with the Michigan Wolverines versus the Alabama Crimson Tide in the Rose Bowl and the Washington Huskies versus the Texas Longhorns that everyone was expecting to be kind of a shootout uh, with two excellent quarterbacks at the position uh, and being able to play on center stage in front of all the fans, and they did not disappoint. But let's dive right into the Michigan Wolverines game uh, versus the Alabama Crimson Tide. Nick Saban versus Jim Harbaugh. Uh, The Michigan Wolverines, in my eyes, with J.J. McCarthy, I was expecting them to play a little bit of neutralizing ball. When I say that, I mean running the football, play action game, get J.J. McCarthy out on the edge a little bit uh, versus this Alabama Crimson Tide defense, which is not the norm that we've seen over the last five years, but they do have some great athletes. Uh, Credit to uh, Michigan for continuing to fight all the way through to the end of the game to put them back on the board to tie the game and then obviously to win in overtime. I was impressed uh, with J.J. McCarthy, but more impressed by the play calling of Michigan Wolverines. I thought they did not panic. I thought they uh, continued to stay the course, which led to them winning at the end. Armando, this particular game, obviously, was the first game before, I guess you could kind of say, the explosion game. But what did you see in this game that kind of opened up your eyes, at least for the championship game? for the Michigan Wolverines? So a couple of things stuck out to me, Donovan. And first of all, um, you would think that the University of Alabama, which is like AAA NFL football, supposedly, right? right? And normally has been, they could find someone who could actually snap the ball from, you know, between his legs to the quarterback with a relative um, knowledge that 99% of the time, it's not going to be a 55-foot knuckleball. Uh, And yet, (laughs) there you were. And Jalen Milrow is like, he cannot, as a quarterback, have great confidence that the ball is going to get to him, number one, where it's supposed to be, number two, when it's supposed to be. This is a problem that they've been having all year long. Right. Um, dude, you tell me, when when the center is not doing his job and snapping the ball correctly, right. and it's happening, it's been happening all year long. All year what long. Does that, what does that do to a quarterback's confidence? Are you thinking about it before the play, or do you try to, you know, block that out, or what? Well, the tough part is it throws your timing off. Your eyes automatically go from reading over the defense in the pre-snap read to now eyes going down to pick up the football. And then you have to do the play action fake with it. So now your timing is off. And so when you watch Melrose and, and the offense and what they were trying to do, I give credit to Reese, uh, their offensive coordinator. What Reese was trying to do was just try to show some, some run, run ability and then set up the pass. But anytime the ball gets snapped, like three feet in front of you and you have to continue to bend down, pick your head up, bend down, pick your head up. Then he shoots. How about about this though? After he did the three in a row, the short ones, one was unexpected and Kurt Herbstreit. He, I mean, I'm like, Kurt, you play quarterback. 
let, let's stop trying to gloss over. Oh, well, Melrose, he's got to catch that. That ball's at his shin. Like, I'm like, come on, Kurt. Like, let's be honest. Those balls are short. And then he kept shooting missiles back because Melrose had to slide up. So then he started shooting missiles back. And if you ever catch Melrose, he's doing this the whole time because he doesn't know what's going to happen. So uh, I think offensively, it threw the timing off because of the center quarterback exchange. And it also messed up the offensive line blocking scheme because now he's so focused, me in the center, is so focused on trying to get the ball back that he's not shooting off to the gap to block the D tackles. You made a great point about Kirk Herbstreet, man. It was like, I couldn't believe he was saying that. He's right. like, well, you're an athletic quarterback. You should be catching. That's like saying the quarterback throws a football two feet over the wide receiver's head. Well, you're an athletic wide receiver. You should be catching that. Right. I mean, right. come on. That right. was crazy. And I love Kirk Herbstreet. He's, a, he, you know, he, he's guy. on it normally, yeah. but... I think he kind of like the, the New Year's Day champagne or the, the <laughs> champagne the day before that got to him at, at that moment. You mentioned the calls. That last call to end the game. Oof. Oof. Yikes. That was bad. Oof. Yeah. That was like, let me let me run my quarterback right in on a quarterback draw out of the Through shotgun. wall. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, let me let me take my six four quarterback and run him through a wall and see if he can get four yards for me. I was like, and you know they're doing all out blitz. They've done it the last three plays. <clears throat> so I look at it in a sense for Reese. I think he was scared to throw him, let him throw. Uh, but you got to get him out on the corner. If you're gonna do that, get him outside on the edge to give him a two way go. Hey, it's either gonna be a pass or you take it yourself. Don't have him just run straight up the middle. I'm I'm thinking like, are you serious? Maybe I thought maybe he dropped the ball, picked it up, take took off, ran a QB power. No, that was that was such a bad call. And I get it, you put the ball in your best athlete's hands, but no, in that regard, you got to get him outside and and put pressure on the on the secondary to now ha either have to cover or you're gonna have to make, come make the tackle. He is the fastest player on that offense, maybe on the entire team. Right. And you're asking him to basically you're, you're, you're taking away the speed element because right. it's all power now. Right. And, and Oh, by the way, in case you haven't been watching the game, you've lost at the line of scrimmage the entire game. They right. have been, they, I think, look, Look, look what just happened. Michigan just got another sack like two seconds ago. Uh, I, I mean, every time I looked up, they were in Milrose face. They they had, I think, like six or seven sacks. It, right. It's like you lost the line of scrimmage, and yet you're expecting on that play to win the line of scrimmage. And it was also kind of like um, – I guess a, a, a strategic battle, a tactical battle where they line up with a play that they like, right. and then Michigan calls timeout, uh, and then they line up again, and they didn't have a look that they liked, and right. they called they Alabama called timeout. Right. And by the time we got to the actual play, it was like Alabama's third best play, and uh, Nick Saban says. It was our two-point conversion play. 
That was the play that we ran. It was it was a two point conversion. We that's the play that we ran, right? Yeah. <laughs> and I'm thinking that's your best play to you know hinge, you know millions and millions and millions and millions of dollars, right? On, uh, you know, on winning a national championship or playing for one. That's the play. Uh, yeah, Jim Harbaugh got got the better of him there, and now we wonder. So what does this do for Jim Harbaugh going forward? So he's going to be the Michigan coach at least, yeah. One more year. It's, his stock is rising, Armando. And this is the funny thing. And I I know I, – I, how should I put this? I know the, the haters uh, of pretty much of Jim Harbaugh, like the Paul Feinbaums, uh, the – I say the the non-supporters of the Michigan Wolverines because of Jim Harbaugh um, and the other coaches who also do the same thing that Harbaugh has done but has not gotten caught. To watch the Michigan Wolverines and the season that they've had from Harbaugh being suspended by the university in the beginning for the Michigan Wolverines to continue to fight and play hard the way they play for the next suspension because of the Spygate 3.0 and the Michigan Wolverines to continue to to battle all the way through and win the Big Ten. For Harbaugh to come back against Nick Saban, because that was a setup game. That was a setup game to put him up against Nick Saban. And for now him to beat Nick Saban and play in a national championship game, this has been a storybook season for the Michigan Wolverines and their university. Uh, this has been a stock rising season for Jim Harbaugh. And this has been an opportunity for Jim Harbaugh pretty much from last summer to write his ticket of where he wants to go in the NFL. Because now his options are a whole lot different than last year with the Minnesota Vikings, uh, the Chicago Bears, uh, and maybe one other uh, opportunity that he looked at, but then they decided to go another direction. Now he's going to have his pick of the litter of where he, he can land in the NFL. And I think he takes it uh, this year. I agree with you. And I want to get to that real in a second. Let me ask you the, the money question. Okay. Because yeah. right now it's 2024 and my pockets are full of money. So I haven't spent any of my 2024 money yet, all $3.78. And so therefore, here's the money question. The Michigan Wolverines win the national championship this year. Right. How much, if at all, do we hear it's an asterisk championship because you cheated? How much do we hear that in the, yes. in the national narrative? Because... You were suspended the first three games, Jim Harbaugh. You were suspended the last three games. And by the way, you wanted to fight the suspension the last three games. And then your lawyers saw the evidence against you and you decided, nah, maybe I shouldn't do this because uh, I don't want it to come out. So how much is it going to be the Asterix championship if they win it, if at all? By, by the naysayers and by the... The haters, oh, it's going to be big talk. It's going to be big talk. It's going to come up. But in actuality, in my eyes, no, there should not be an asterisk. 
There should not be because you can't penalize the kids in this regard. And also with the fact that this this never continued on of what it so-called uh, was was supposed to be. It never affected the bottom line. And the bottom line is that these kids played hard. Uh, these kids continued to fight all the way through. And, you know, I, I think for the Michigan Warriors and college football, because in college football, it's no different than the NFL. The same thing happens in the NFL. And so you can't just all of a sudden say, hey, you know, there's a there's an asterisk because of the Michigan Warriors and Jim Harbaugh won it. Or you can't say it in the NFL because what happened to the New England Patriots in Spygate? Nothing. Slap on the wrist. So I think for for college football, they need to kind of soak up in this glory because you have two teams that were least expected pretty much to be there. No right. one had the Michigan Wolverines going to represent the national championship game. No one had the Washington Huskies playing in the national championship game. So now this now this sets up for the new rule change in 2024-2025 of expanding the playoffs. So now that's that money that you have in your pocket, uh, they're going to quadruple that money. <laughs> times $12? Yeah, times 100. And, and look for more big storylines to happen uh, going forward. So, yeah, look, and, and I brought up the asterisk thing because I, I live – in an area where, for example, yep. Bill Belichick right. is chasing Don Shula, right, for the most wins ever. Right. And what I hear all the time is, even if he catches them, you've got one guy who cheated chasing uh, another guy who had integrity. That's I hear that all the time. And it's accurate. I mean, it's accurate. Uh, and so, because that was a thing. And Jim Harbaugh is now, no, it's not the players. They didn't concoct any any sort of, you know, scheme to to, to steal the signs or, or pre-scout a team's signs and stuff and have Mr. Pony back here, you know, whispering to coaches, this is what they're about to do. No, they, they didn't come up with that. That was a uh, coaching level type of thing. And I would assume a Harbaugh level type of thing with, he says he has no knowledge of it. I understand, but it, it doesn't go away. You know, when it goes away, the minute he becomes the head coach of the Los Angeles Chargers, the minute he becomes the head coach of the Las Vegas Raiders, those are the two teams that I think are going to make the strongest and most aggressive push for Jim Harbaugh in the NFL. I think he signs with the Chargers because of their quarterback situation. Um, I think for Harbaugh, he understands the magnitude of having an experienced quarterback, a good young quarterback uh, that he can build around. And they have, they have great talent on offense. Austin Eckler, Williams comes back off an of injury. They'll figure out what they're going to do with, with their slot receiver. Uh, they're going to uh, pay him, um, you know, and then they have young receivers like Palmer that they drafted. Their offense is intact. Defense, they've got big names where you at least, you're not at the bottom, but they are um, as far as stopping somebody. But uh, they've got some holes to fill. 
I don't think the Bears would be one that that he would entertain, uh, meaning have multiple meetings with uh, if he has a a selection of uh, opportunities. But let's move on to the next game, the Sugar Bowl. That game would, to me, continue to put Michael Penix on the map and rising. People knew of Michael Penix, obviously finishing second in the Heisman. Uh, People knew of the Washington Huskies, of their explosion on offense and big playability. Uh, People know of uh, the Washington Huskies, of how they played all throughout the Pac-12 and then playing the Oregon Ducks twice uh, to the max and and putting on a great show. Uh, And then the Texas Longhorns. Everyone talks about Texas when they beat Alabama, uh, although they, they struggled against Oklahoma. Uh, but all throughout the season played well. Quinn Errors uh, is a guy that uh, is possibly going to be a top three quarterback, top two quarterback next year if he comes back. There's a lot of talk if Arch Manning will end up starting, if Quinn decides to leave. Uh, they have some great talent on their offense. Their tight end, I think, is rated second behind Bowers in, in the draft. Defensively, they have some, some, uh, some dogs on the defense. But when you watch this game, Armando, does this game, and I say this kind of hesitantly because they're, I'm out on the West Coast, so does this pack put the Pac-12 in a different light? Because people looked at the Pac-12 football and they thought it was kind of soft. But does this put now Washington to carry, especially when things are splitting now, in a position where they're carrying the Pac-12 on their back to at least give them a little bit of respect? Um, Well, I mean, I think if you ask coaches across the country, they respect the the Pac-12 that used to be because they're, from what I hear, they're breaking up. So uh, as we know it, that's that's going bye-bye. I... The one thing that the Pac-12 has done for a long time, and it used to be the Pac-10 when I was a young pup, um, quarterbacks. They they produce quarterbacks. Right. They produce a lot of quarterbacks. I mean, but they know, don't last. A lot of their quarterbacks don't last. John Elway. Uh, yeah, we can go Elway. We can go, you know, Aikman. You know, we can we can go there, <laughs> but. Uh, Jim Plunkett. Uh, uh, oh, now, now, you, now you're digging deep. You're digging deep. Uh, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm trying to win a point, brother. I'm gonna go as far back. I'm gonna go into Kate. You're digging deep in the bucket. In yeah, yeah. You're uh, like up to the shoulder in the bucket digging. Was there a Neanderthal that ever played quarterback for UCLA? I'll find him and throw him up at you. I don't care. You know, I mean. But but here you, you mentioned we're starting to understand Penix. Right. Uh two things, right? So number one, Michael Penix Jr. is from Dade City. That's in Florida. Oh, um, so here it comes. Uh he played at Tampa Tech, which is in Florida. Right. Um uh, he got let me see. There's Miami, Florida, Florida State, Central Florida, USF, FAU, yeah. FAU, FIU. 
mean, we got more ewes than 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 a flock of sheep. And 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 it's like he goes to Indiana. Right. Indiana took right. Michael Penix Jr. out of Florida. Meanwhile, the Florida schools are going, oh, 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 who's our quarterback now? Uh, and Michael Penix Jr. was right under your nose. Right. My goodness, he wasn't a four-star. He was a three-star. And so nobody looked at him, and he goes to Indiana. And, and then he goes well. to- Yeah. Played well his freshman year. His yeah, freshman he did. Year, he, he had him undefeated. Was that his redshirt freshman year or was that true freshman year? Where he had him undefeated, and then they end up uh, blowing his knee out twice. Uh, yeah, I, I don't remember. It was way back. I mean, I think it was like 2019 or something. Yeah, like. it was. It was a good six years ago, five or six yeah. years. Ago. Yeah, I mean, he is 23 now, so uh, that's that's a thing that the NFL will sort of kind of consider. Not really, but the point being that a lot of big time football programs right here in Florida that try to draw lines around the state because the talent here, I would argue, is better than anywhere else in the country, including Texas, including California, my opinion. Um, maybe I'm a little biased. I was about to say, where are you from again, Armando? Yeah, maybe, maybe I'm a little biased. Yeah, <laughs> I, I admit it. I'm going to raise the Florida flag and wave it like a like a douche. Um, anyway, uh, the point being that a lot of teams fell on their face, missing out on this kid and my God, he, uh, I mean, who do you, who's, who's the comparable for him? Who do you compare him to that you've seen play? Uh, well, the, the thing is the injuries, I think kind of stand, stand strong in this because he's mobile. He has the ability to get outside the pocket. Uh, it's not the, I should say, he's not graceful with it, with the moves and and the explosion is is not there, but he's definitely mobile. Um, but when I watch him play, he has kind of an awkward throwing motion. It's not over the top and it's not sidearm. It's really three-quarter. Uh, but the ball comes out. I mean, left-handers already looks look amazing when they throw the ball because it just looks effortless. I would say not because of the mobility, but the throwing motion that I've seen. Um, he reminds me because the only left-hand quarterback was, that I know, the two left-hand quarterbacks that I know are Steve Young and Michael Vick. And so when it comes out of his hand, it reminds me of Mike. It reminds me of Mike because it was just a flick of the wrist and the ball would shoot out 20 yards. Uh, I mean, that throw that he made uh, between the safeties on that post route, about 25 yards, he let the ball go, and immediately I thought, uh-oh, this is going to be a setup hit by the weak side safety. And he snuck that ball in there. I mean, it was a shot right to the chest. And I'm watching. I'm like, he reminds me of Mike of that flick. But just overall, I would say more Steve Young because Steve was Steve was an athlete. Steve wasn't fast. Steve was quick. But I, I look at it more like Steve Young, and that's only because we know how athletic Mike was and how fast he was. But I would say Steve Young because he's so balanced. When you watch him throw, he's so balanced in the pocket, utilizing his lower body, his full rotation of throwing, where these kids now are just kind of throwing the back hip and doing all this crap that they put on Instagram. He's a natural passer 
that looks like he has a baseball background. So now I, I was looking at the pre-draft, you know, that the Kuipers and all those people, they, they put out their stuff early on. Right. And I think Kuiper has him going in the second round. And let me just share something with you. No, 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 Stock's no. Rising. Stock's rising. <laughs> Yes, absolutely. <laughs> that guy is not going to get out of the top 15, I would say. And depending on what he does in the national championship game uh, against a good defense that made, you know, the, the Alabama center look really bad. <laughs> you know, I would say to you that he might be, a, he could be a top 10. And the reason he's not higher Again, the age, he's 23. To me, that doesn't make any matter Bo at all. Bo Nix is like 32. Wait. He absolutely is. <laughs> he absolutely. Bo, Bo Nix has got like gray hair, you know? Bo, Bo uh, Nix came into college when I was leaving. That's <laughs> Seriously, there, there were posters on at Times Square and Bo Nix like uh, Y2K. <laughs> below the Y2K <laughs> concerns. Um, but he he has blown bo way past Bo Nix. Absolutely. Um, he is in the, he's he's kind of trying to to sneak up on Drake May as the possible, uh, or, or, or Daniels. I, I would uh, say more Jaden, I would say Daniels. I would definitely say Jaden Daniels. Um, I think Caleb and, and May are in their own class. I think when it comes to Penix, he's battling with, with Daniels, mainly because the positives for me when I look at him is, one, his size. Uh, I think he's 6'4", about 2, maybe about 2'10", 2 215. Um, Jaden Daniels, I think, is like 6'4", 180 pounds, 185 pounds. <laughs> um, so Jaden Daniels is going to have – he's going to have the questions like when Teddy Bridgewater came out. How big is he? Is he can he put on weight? Like Bryce Young had to go through that. How how big is he? Um, will will he be able to put on any weight? Uh, I think depending on how he plays in this championship game, I think he ends up drafted. I would say more of early second. Well, I should say late to mid first round to early second. I don't think he gets past any team at that particular point at the end of the first round, beginning of the second. Yeah, I, I mean, if he if he plays well, he's he's making he's banking money. There's no doubt about it. He's banking money. I don't think that's that's a that's anything that any. The concern with him will not be the age. Will not be oh. the left-handed. Although I can tell you, some teams don't like left-handed quarterbacks simply because they're left-handed. Yeah, you got to shift your offensive line. You do that. The wide the ball spins different. It goes this way, whatever. <laughs> the wide receivers are going, wow. <laughs> you know, uh, whatever. Uh, you know, they'll make up stuff. They'll find stuff. The age, it's the injuries that are concerning about Michael Penix Jr. I mean, uh, but when, again, after all those concerns, you go back to, Seven of 10, 257 yards against Texas on throws of 15 yards or more. 
Yep. <laughs> wow. Seven on seven numbers. Seven on seven. <laughs> Are you serious? 70% yeah. on throws of 50 air yards or more. Yeah. Uh, that's not bubble screens. That's not, you know, all this other stuff that the game has devolved into. That is down the field throws. And it's going to impress a lot of people. And if it doesn't, something's wrong with the uh, scouts. Well, you know, I look at look at Penix and just my last statement with it. I mean, he's efficient. Um, he's he can get the ball downfield. So arm arm strength is never never going to be in question. Um, he he throws a pretty ball, which even though he's left handed, it's still one as a quarterback. When you're evaluating quarterbacks, you watch how the ball pops out of his head. And for 430 430 yards, 29 to 39 in a a big time game versus the Texas Longhorns, which, you know, people were people were looking for the rematch of Alabama versus Texas. And for him to erase that with the Pac-12 and their, I would say, lack of turnovers on defense and how they had to fight at the end of that game uh, to win that. That says a lot about Michael Penick. But let's stay with the quarterback situation and let's move to the NFL because this is the time where your quarterback has to elevate his game to get you over the hump. I want to mention two games to talk about, uh, one being the the Dolphins and the Buffalo Bills. I look at this particular game and it all starts with the quarterback. One quarterback that's been playing great because of the change at the offensive coordinator position uh, in Josh Allen. Tua Tagovailoa playing at a at a I would say an elite pace, but it's been inconsistent when they play on the road. Uh, and then going to Philadelphia with the Philadelphia Eagles and Jalen Hurts and how that offense has been playing. I should say the lack of consistency, the lack of explosion, uh, and just kind of the questions all season of what are we. Are we a running team? Are we a downfield throwing team? Are we a read option team? The questions go there in Philly. And then, obviously, Tyrod Taylor taking over for, you know, good old cutlass, you know, taking over and at least giving them a chance, a fighting chance of what the Giants really haven't shown all year. What game would you keep an eye on? And what and what sort of stands out for you going forward? Oh, Donovan, Donovan. And don't start crying because the Dolphins hasn't has been consistent because you out there in Florida. <laughs> Donovan, 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 Donovan. Once again, <laughs> disappointed me personally. Once again, let me down. <laughs> it's like, how? I, I was still waiting for you to mention Lamar Jackson. Not and, yet. Not yet. quarterback in the NFL right now. We we're not getting to them them yet. We're not we're saving saving that for last. Here we go. Come on, let's go. Okay. All right. By the way, before I let it go because I am a little, a little bulldog. <laughs> um he's from Florida. Um anyway, so he, he's from Florida. Act <laughs> I live I I true story. I live like 3 miles from from Lamar Jackson uh, back in the day. So there's that. Um, 
I would say to you that you mentioned that Josh Allen has been playing great. He's been playing better. He's been playing better because oh. they, they've taken the ball out of his hands. Well, good, because, uh, yeah, no. Uh, it, it, the Buffalo Bills should be worried because, yes, Josh Allen is capable and able to just play out of his mind on any given Sunday. Right. But of late on Sundays, he hasn't been doing that. He had the game where I think it was against the Cowboys where he said, you know, I feel like the kid that yes. participated in, got an A in the class project, but didn't do anything. Right. Well, he, he was right. He didn't do anything that game. Right. Uh, the week before, he wasn't all that great. Uh, I don't remember. Let's see, this week, this last week against New England, I'm going to say something crazy. He might have been – no, I'm not going to say something crazy like that. I was going to say he yeah, might have been – Let's no, go. No, no, no. I was going to say he might have been the second-best quarterback on the field, but I'm not going to give Bailey Zappi uh, that. No. Uh, but but you know what? He didn't throw a touchdown pass. He did have an interception. He did have an interception. <laughs> He completed only 50% of his passes uh, against the Patriots for 169 yards. That wasn't, I mean, Pedestrian if you numbers. do that against the Dolphins, you're losing Buffalo Bills. Right, right. But, well, I will say this, because Buffalo has changed their offense, Armando, and they're running the football a little bit more and running effectively. And so for uh, Josh Allen, who we put in, a lot of people put in the class up there with the Joe Burrows and the Patrick Mahomes, or see him pass for 169 yards. That's that's beyond pedestrian. Like that's that's one in which unless you're 16 to 19 for for 169 and two touchdowns and no picks, unless you're there, then I I think for for Buffalo at this regard, I mean I think it's more about Brady than it is about Josh Allen because Josh, we know Josh Allen's gonna turn the football over. He's gonna throw a pick a game. Like, it, that's kind of where he was at this particular point. But they're taking the ball out of his hands. And nobody's really talking about that aspect because you wouldn't take the ball out of Patrick's hands. You wouldn't take the ball out of Joe Burrow's hands. But to take it out of Josh Allen's hands and now change the offense where we're not relying on Josh, just on a few plays to make for us to win the game, that says a lot about the direction they're going in. The Bills have won four games in a row, right? Right. They beat New England, uh, the, the Chargers, Dallas, and Kansas City. Josh Allen has failed to be over 60% or even reach 60% completion percentage right. in four of the last five games. Uh, Not that, efficient. And in today's NFL, 60% is like the floor. That's, I mean, back, back, in the 70s, 60% was great in the 80s, but now 60% is your floor. We got some people at 68, 69, 70% completion. Josh Allen is under 60% in four of the last five games. He hasn't been dynamic. Right. Uh, and they've won. So nobody is saying squat except the dummy. But he cannot continue to play like that and come to Miami and beat the Dolphins. And obviously, if they don't beat the Dolphins, they're not in the playoffs. Not in the playoffs. Uh, but if if 
that is not the recipe for Buffalo Bills to the Super Bowl. That can't, that's not it at all. So, so in your eyes, does Josh Allen cancel out Tua or does Tua minus Bradley Chubb on defense? Does Tua answer the bell and keep them in pursuit of, of a great position in the playoffs and knock out the Buffalo Bills? Uh, you're asking me for a game prediction. Let's see. I'm not going to give you one. <laughs> Just it's, it's Tuesday. It's Tuesday. It's Tuesday. It's Tuesday. I don't know. We got to check the reports and do our due diligence. Yes. Uh, by the way, Mike McDaniel, uh, bad mistake in leaving. They were down 30 points right. with three minutes to play. And the starters were still in the game. And I know you can't take out all the starters, but you've already lost Jalen Phillips this year. Right. Uh, you're you, the guy behind you is Melvin Ingram, who hasn't had a sack in like three years or something. I I extend the point. It's an yeah. exaggeration, but the point is he is not you know eight years ago Melvin Ingram, and. And you've got Bradley Chubb in the game down 30 points with three minutes to go. And he blows out his knee. Yeah. That's, that's a bad look for the head coach. And afterwards, when he talks about, well, they wanted to be out there. So, right. I mean, this game uh, is long gone. You didn't get it done in three, three, three and a half court. No, you got to get out. You got to get you're out. You're done. It's over. Yeah. Move on to next week. Yeah. He, his his idea was they wanted to be out there to have some success so they can carry it into next week. And I would ask him if I was in that press conference, coach, your team has won 11 games. You didn't feel like you had success to carry over uh, one week uh, in those 11 victories. Right. Your team has done a lot of winning. I've seen a lot of dancing. I, you you put 70 points on the board at one point this year. That doesn't carry over. You have to have success week to week to keep your team's psyche together. That doesn't make any sense to me. Yeah, it's it's a little tough. But let, let's keep the psyche going and, and keep everything flowing. What's wrong with the Philadelphia Eagles? The, the Philadelphia Eagles had 211 total yards in a game that that game should have been over by mid-third quarter. The defense has been awful. They haven't been covering down the middle of the football field. They're getting ran on like it's Tecmo Bowl and picking Bo Jackson or Thurman Thomas to go the sideline up at the top of the screen. Uh, offensively, there's no explosion. Uh, they're not getting the ball to their playmakers. Jalen Hurts hasn't been looking the same, which I know he can play better, but he just hasn't been there this year consistently. What's going on in Philadelphia, Armando? And you can speak to their offense because it's it's lacking right now. Right. Um, I, the whole the whole defense that defense is broken. It, yeah. it really is. They made the Arizona Cardinals. They basically made gave the Arizona Cardinals their decision on a quarterback for next year in that one game because Kyler Murray. I wouldn't say he lit them up, but he was very, very effective. Yeah. And if you put more weapons around him, 
he's going to be very, 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 very effective, especially if he keeps playing the Eagles. They gave up 449 total yards, 221 rushing yards against the Cardinals. Against the Cardinals. Um, at home. <laughs> What's that? Uh, the, the switch to Matt Patricia, man, it sounded good, but I'm thinking that Matt Patricia, you could have freaking Buddy Ryan in there. And if you don't have the guys playing together, right. uh, fitting gaps, uh, rallying to the ball, and and winning at the line of scrimmage, you're going to be in trouble. And that's exactly what the Eagles defense is right now. Well, it's it's kind of – it's tough because you look at, you look at this team and – you have the older guys like the Brandon Grabs, the Fletcher Cox, uh, the Jason Kelseys, the older guys, and to look at this possibly being their last year because of what we've seen so far, and you thought that the D-line aspect would be much more of a pressured D-line with Carter, uh, with, with Davis, with, with Fletcher Cox and Graham, uh, Williams. They're not getting good to quarterback. And if you're not getting to the quarterback, your secondary is already getting diced up throughout the game consistently. And, and so I, I just think this may be it for those particular guys uh, when they have to make a decision to move on. But this defense has been so inconsistent where everybody's running the football on them. And then Mike, uh, excuse me, not Mike Patricia, but, but Patricia is actually what he's trying to do is he's trying to protect a lot of these players because they're not as good as they're supposed to be. And so you're playing a lot of zone coverage. And when you're playing a lot of zone coverage, you're not blitzing a lot. And when you decide to blitz and you want to play zone, you can't play man because everyone's killing you in man coverage. Uh, I I just think when I look at this this team, for me, it starts offensively. And A.J. Brown is, is starting to get into that phase again where he's not talking to the media. Uh, you know, he's he's now trying he's he's upset. And so the best thing that he feels is not to say anything. But normally when you're quiet and you're silenced, it speaks louder than, than your words. So uh, he's not happy. Uh, the offense is not consistent. They're not running the football effectively. They're not throwing the football consistently. And so I just think overall, when you look at the numbers, yeah, they look great. But it's like, did we really push it downfield? And were we attacking the defense and what they were giving us? Uh, it is just not the one that we can say yes. So the formula for the Eagles in the playoffs is pretty simple, really. Um, run the ball, period. That's it. Uh, that is the one thing that if you can do that, you can cover up for a multitude of sins because now all of a sudden you're possessing the football. First of all, it's first and eight every single every single you know set of downs because you're gonna pick up third and one. You're gonna pick up third and one and then fourth fourth or third and two and then fourth and one. You're gonna do that. Or so, fourth and two, yeah, or fourth and two or fourth and three. You're so, gonna get yeah. So run the football. And right. what that does is it puts your offensive line, which is still pretty good, on the offensive instead of retreating, number one. Number two, 
it keeps your defense that has issues off the field because you're possessing the ball. And what does that need? It means that Jalen Hurts, dude, I don't want to hear about knees. I don't want to hear about uh, hip. I don't want to hear about contract. You are now a running quarterback. You need to be part of it and not just on the tush push. You need to be the dual threat that we've kind of sort of seen a little bit less this year has to be way more. And, and I would say to you, the running threat has to be more important than the passing threat because your team is, is getting gashed on defense. You have to have the football in your hands on offense and you've got good talent and you've got a good offensive line. If AJ Brown's upset about that, okay, sorry. We're going to run the ball. That's what the Eagles need to be. That's what their uh, personality needs to be going forward in the playoffs. I agree. It has to be run the football first, set up the play action game, but you have to establish the run game. If you don't establish the run game, it's just going to be dropped back. It doesn't matter if you flash fake or what. Linebackers are not going to read their keys because they know you're not running the football. And that's been my issue with over this past two months of the inconsistency of running the football. DeAndre Swift is a thousand yard rusher. Now, let me repeat that one more time. DeAndre Swift is a thousand yard rusher for the Philadelphia Eagles. And, and I guarantee no one even knows that. And he hasn't even been running the football consistently enough where I felt like he should get more carries and more opportunities. So easily, if you add another five carries each game, five to seven carries each game that, that I've been talking about, they need to run the ball. He might have 1250 rushing for an offense that is nowhere near as explosive as it was last year. Last year, they were, they were the most explosive team in the, in the NFL and they were, they were healthy. They didn't have any guys on the IR. They weren't missing big-name players. Everyone was healthy. Well, this year's a little bit different. They've been banged up, but I need to see a little bit more of that. Let's stay on the running aspect to end the show. You talked about it. Lamar Jackson has now surpassed everyone and has proven to the critics that it's not so much of always about stats and it's not always the, the good stuff that we want to pull out. Well, he's Third down, he's this, and uh, he's he's amazing on on the on the deep ball. No, this man is a winner. This man has proven in a new offense that he can be efficient throwing the football. He gets out of the pocket, picks up with his legs. He's back there sitting in the pocket, reading his keys and buying time. He's proven if he's not in that position at the quarterback position in Baltimore, we are not talking about the Ravens MVP. Right. Yeah, he, 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 they say that uh, guys have MVP moments. Um, his moment has extended for over eight days. Yeah. And <laughs> because on, mon- on Monday night against San Francisco, he was the best player on the field. And then on Sunday against the Dolphins, he was the best player on the field. And he threw five touchdown passes and they blew out the Dolphins. In fact, they've blown out the 49ers and the Dolphins, both of them when they entered the game, 11-win teams back-to-back. 
And if that doesn't tell you that the Ravens right now, as we speak, are the best team in the NFL, then I don't know what does. And he is the best player on the best team. And he has the extra added value of he plays quarterback. And so if you're talking MVP, okay. He got my vote. Get it to all. Why does he have your vote after you just told us about five to six minutes ago, you grew up, well, you lived very close to Lamar Jackson. So are you biased? No, I lived very close to Lamar Jackson. That was before $250 plus million contract. <laughs> that, that changed the dynamics. In fact, that was before drafted into the NFL. That changed the dynamics. Then so, I didn't so live. Now you're gonna, yeah, I've seen Lamar before he became Lamar Jackson. <laughs> yes, I'm talking about Ely High School Lamar Jackson, not you know, not Baltimore Ravens Lamar Jackson. Uh, at that point, our our neighborhoods went like that. It was like totally, and I was down here. So there's that. Um, no, I'm not biased. I mean, remember, I was the guy that was saying Brock Purdy is the leader, it, it, you know, a couple of weeks ago. And then Brock Purdy had that terrible game against the Ravens. And all of a sudden I'm thinking, yeah, uh, no, <laughs> not Brock Purdy. And I wasn't, you know, I, 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 Dak had had his tough, tough moment weeks prior. So he was out. Tyreek was hurt. CMC, yeah, okay, good, but not yeah. it. And so, and TJ Watt doesn't have 24 sacks. So who am I giving it to? Uh, yeah, so I'm my vote right now, today, as we speak, and the votes are not due until after the season, after the regular right. season. But right now, today, I'm thinking Lamar Jackson. Yeah, Lamar Jackson will be my MVP voter. And, and I mean, he's been in that top three, top four for at least the last 12, 13 weeks. But a lot of people have kind of taken him out because of what we've seen in San Francisco, what we've seen in Dallas with Dak Prescott, what we've seen in Miami with Tariq Hill. Um, you know, obviously with, with CMC, I think CMC has always been steady in that, that three, two, three, four range. So it's going to be exciting to see this season end and the way things end up. But make sure you join us back here at the Five Spot Thursday. We have more for you as we recap this weekend's last game of the season. Some teams will not play their starters. Some will have to. Uh, big storylines uh, will start to evolve as injuries. Uh, also, you know, what team is going to get back on the horse and what team is going to continue to fail. So join us here at the Five Spot well, we'll give you much more than you're expecting to hear. Join us again, and Happy New Year to you. 2024 is now here.